Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's never-forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, welcome to a special Buck Brief. We're joined by my friend Josh Hammer. He's the senior editor-at-large at Newsweek. Also, you can listen to the Josh Hammer podcast. Appreciate you being with me, Josh. Anytime, Buck. Thanks for having me. Um, can we just start with, I mean, what, what are your thoughts as to where the, the conflict right now uh, with Israel and Hamas stands, what are the primary? Uh, what, what you know? What's top of mind for you as we're getting ready for this ground invasion to likely happen? And and you know the U.S. response. Just walk me through. What do you think is most pertinent? Well, I think what's most pertinent is the fact that this thing already feels ridiculously overheated all around the world on the domestic front. All the vile Jew hatred we're seeing on college campuses, the pro Hamas rallies, disgusting stuff. And it really hasn't even started yet. I mean, the IDF has been involved in bombing targets inside Gaza where Hamas is storing cakes of weaponry and missiles and all of that. 
But the ground invasion hasn't started yet. This, this thing is very far from over. And the million-dollar question, Buck, and I suspect one of the numerous reasons that the IDF has not actually sent the tanks rolling into Gaza yet, is what happens on that northern front where you have Hezbollah, which is a direct Iranian proxy, the Shiite terror militia. They have a hundred to 150,000 precision-guided missiles is the intelligence community's estimate of that. That's like that's serious weaponry. I mean, Hezbollah has a much more sophisticated arsenal than Hamas. Um, you know, there's not much of a question as to whether the IDF can handle both, but it's clearly a less-than-ideal situation. And then from an American perspective, obviously, we have multiple aircraft carrier striker groups in the region now. They are there primarily to deter Hezbollah and, by extension, the Islamic Republic of Iran itself. So the, the real question is, what, if anything, would actually escalate direct American involvement at this point? Because right now we know we have JSOC, we have, you know, hostage evacuation specialists there on the ground working with the IDF. But what I'm, you know, what I'm thinking about is if Hezbollah starts raining down missiles into Israel, is that enough to get the U.S. aircraft carriers involved? I'm not, I'm not sure yet, but it's a very fluid situation. It's changing day by day. Personally, I just can't believe that, that the ground invasion has actually not actually started yet. I suspect the hostages have a lot to do with that. Thank God we saw some more hostages released earlier today. But I suspect things are going to be very kinetic over the next 36 to 48 hours. What do you make of whether it's Joe Biden or you might have seen this Barack Obama statement that he put out this this uh, constant reminding? That's what they're that's even how they will say it. Reminding of Israel to abide by the laws of war uh, in in this response to the worst terror attack since 9-11. Like, what, what, where, where is that coming from? I mean, it's offensive, right? I mean, it's this notion, and, you know, it's funny. Israel is the only country, I forgot who said this, but Israel is the only country that whenever they get involved in a military conflict, immediately they are told you can't actually win that military conflict. Literally, as soon as Israel suffers an attack and they start to go on the counteroffensive, it seems like the international community, all the talking heads, you know, all the usual suspects in Turtle Bay in New York and Brussels, the European Union, Geneva, like all the usual liberal globalist idiots, they immediately start talking about a quote unquote proportionate response. Oh, you know, dare Israel possibly violate international law? Well, obviously, what we refer to as international law should be abided by. But by the way, international law is not a is not a very straightforward concept. It's not like there's like one legislature that codifies international law. But, you know, the IDF is one of the most, you know, law abiding, frankly, just above and beyond moral fighting forces in the world. I mean, the rules of engagement that the IDF has put on themselves, I mean, Buck, you know this better than most in in our business. The the rules of engagement that the IDF puts on themselves to hamstring themselves are are really above and beyond what virtually any other military in the world does. They literally drop leaflets from their planes to civilians in the buildings in Gaza telling them, we are about to bomb here, get the hell out. They don't have to do that. I mean, according to international law, those civilians there are Hamas's fault if there are going to be any civilian casualties. So it's ridiculously condescending, honestly, to get back to your question there. But unfortunately for Israel, I think it's it's not, it's nothing new. It's been this way for a while now. How do you think uh, the Biden White House has responded so far? Well, I mean, they were strong out of the gate, right? I mean, in those first five to six days, I mean, his his rhetoric was strong. In fact, I think it was so strong that some schools in Israel started assigning Biden's speech. I think it was a week and a half ago or so, two weeks ago at this point. It's hard to keep track. But he had that first kind of big speech from the White House. I heard that some schools in Israel started assigning that speech in English language as homework for English class because Israelis were so impressed by it. 
Unfortunately, Buck, um, you know, for those of us who are a little more sober and, and, and I, you know, I dare I say practical with our eyes, eyes wide open, we knew that things would start to change very quickly. And as soon as he started to fly over there, you know, the public optics of him kind of doing that big bear hug with Prime Minister Netanyahu at Ben Gurion Airport, there's always strings attached to this. I mean, the United States gives Israel a lot of money. And in exchange for that, they want to try to hamstring the rules of engagement of the IDF and basically keep them on a short string. I mean, I think that one of the many reasons why the IDF has not gone into Gaza yet is because the U.S. and laughably Qatar is actually serving as a hostage intermediary, despite being a major funder of Hamas. I think that the U.S. and also then Qatar are putting a lot of pressure on the IDF to not actually go into Gaza there. So it's not great. Um, the rhetoric when it comes to Gaza has still been mostly okay, but I think it's worth noting that they've said virtually nothing about Iran. And you can't talk about Hamas without talking about Iran because Hamas, Hezbollah, all these terrorist proxies in the region are, are, are basically just tentacles of the broader, sprawling Islamic Republic of Iran terrorist infrastructure. I've heard virtually nothing about Iran. I have no idea what the U.S. is going to do in response to this when it comes to kind of amping up the sanctions, when it comes to cracking down on terror financing, cutting off Iranian banks from Western financial institutions. Are we going to seize vessels if they're trying to ship weapons? I mean, there's all sorts of things. I haven't heard anything about that. And then Qatar itself, which I mentioned is a major funder of Hamas, Qatar Buck was designated by the U.S. as a major non-NATO ally just last year. And like I saw Anthony Blinken was there meeting with the Amir in Doha like a week and a half ago. I mean, like, what the hell? So the rhetoric is okay when it comes to Gaza. But as far as the whole region is concerned, I I see very little reason for optimism. Josh, I want to come back and and ask what you think happens if Israel's war in Gaza is successful, which is a in which I, I assume it will be. But it's essentially the what next, right? What comes next? I want to get into that with you here. Um, but first off, from our sponsor, MyPillow, you know, Mike Lindell invented the MyPillow 20 years ago, and he created this amazing company that started with one product. And that was so many household products. But, you know, innovation, it's the key to everything in the business world. And MyPillow 2.0 is out now. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, but now has fabric that is made with temperature-regulating thread. This makes the MyPillow 2.0 the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. Um, they're, they're on sale right now, 50% off. The queen-size MyPillow 2.0 is $39.99. The king-size MyPillow is just $10 more. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square to get the queen-size MyPillow 2.0 for $39.99 and the king-size for $10 more. Enter my name, Buck, as your promo code, that's MyPillow.com, promo code Buck. Get that MyPillow 2.0. You are going to get a great night's sleep. You're going to love it. Um, all right, Josh. So if if Hamas is destroyed, which is, you know, reigns to be seen and, and you know, destroyed to what level, but effectively if, if Israel goes in and does what I believe it, it should do and is trying to do, which is destroy Hamas as a terrorist entity operating in Gaza, what happens? Like, who's in charge of Gaza? What do you think the Israeli end state is going to be? So this is the million dollar question, Buck. I mean, you know, on my own show, I had a guest on earlier today. I actually asked him this very question. I mean, I don't think anyone knows. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but I don't think anyone has a crystal clear idea as to what the next stages be. What is very clear to me, at least, is that the Arabs living there cannot be permitted to simply go back to the polls. And, you know, not that these are free and fair elections, obviously, but they cannot be permitted to go back and democratically vote to elect 
a, a party or a group because Hamas was democratically elected. In fact, you know, it's it's fairly well known that one of the reasons that the IDF has equivocated for so many years and has not actually gone in to eradicate Hamas is that they fear, and this is a crazy thing to say, but it's true, they fear that if they eradicate Hamas and then let the people of Gaza just elect someone else, something worse than Hamas will come into play. So I'm not making that up. That is That is seriously a major concern or has been in the past, I should say, of the Israeli security brass and, and the intelligence apparatus. So, you know, let's say Hamas is cleared. And at that point, I, I, if the Israeli security establishment agrees with what I said, that you can't have elections there, my preference would be some sort of either annexation or, or military occupation. Now, it's worth pointing out this is where the Biden situation is, is already a major problem because Biden has explicitly told Netanyahu not to do that. He's explicitly said, do not annex it back into Israel. Do not reoccupy it. Do not do any of this. I frankly fail to see what the alternative is. I mean, from my perspective, I think Gaza at this point after this should look similar-ish to the situation in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, where you could have kind of a a less than fully sovereign government. I I mean, the Palestinian Authority in Ramallah is not fully sovereign. The IDF still controls the borders there and the Jordan River Valley and so forth there. Ideally, if they could install some sort of Arab Zionist sort of puppet regime of sorts, that would be ideal. But there's, I, I, I'm kind of short on ideas other than that. What I do know for certain is that the people of Gaza cannot be permitted to simply just go back to the polls because we're going to have the whole situation all over again. If Israel puts enough pressure on Hamas, do you think Iran could end up entering this conflict in a more, you know, effectively as a direct combatant in some way? It's a terror. It's a terrifying proposition. Obviously, um, I, I I think they probably will not do so uh, as a direct entity for two reasons. One is that they have so many sprawling proxies throughout the region. Both Hamas, Hezbollah up north. There there are all sorts of Iranian proxies operating in Iraq. They basically filled the vacuum after the U.S. botched the. Iraq war and then botched the withdrawal from that. So Iraq at this point is essentially an Iranian satrapy. I mean, it's essentially kind of an Iranian pr- province. And then Bashar al-Assad himself in Syria is basically an Iranian client state. And then you, of course, have the Houthi rebels there in Yemen on, on the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula that are also, yes, you guessed it, an Iranian proxy. So, I mean, they they have proxies everywhere. So I don't think that you're going to start seeing missiles directed towards Gaza or Jerusalem from Tehran. I would be a little surprised if that were the case. And especially you have to consider then that there are multiple aircraft carrier striker groups from the United States right there. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Is Iran like a cold, calculating, rational actor? No. I mean, they subscribe to kind of a, you know, a zealous kind of 72 virgins in heaven kind of a theocratic mentality, as do a lot of these Hamas Hezbollah actors as well. But at a certain point, are they rational enough where they know that the aircraft carriers in the U.S. will just flatten Tehran if they literally start trying to nuke Jerusalem? I mean, I kind of presume they're that rational. I, I could be wrong, obviously. I, I pray that I, I pray that I'm right, though, because that would be a truly terrible conflict if they do get involved directly. Let's talk more about some of the response we've seen here and, and in the rest of the West, Josh, to this whole situation. We'll get into that in a second. But need energy to get through your busy day? Get yourself set up with Chalk's Male Vitality Stack. This set of supplements is specially designed to provide men with the all-natural ingredients that fuel your body so you have the energy and stamina to thrive through days like today. The leading ingredient in Chalk's Male Vitality Stack has been proven in studies to replenish diminished amounts of testosterone in a guy's body. That's crucial because testosterone is the natural hormone that provides fuel to give your body energy and focus. 
Most guys experience diminishing amounts of testosterone as we get older, and it's gradual, so you often don't notice the difference. But you will notice the improvement with Chalk's Male Vitality Stack. In three months' time, studies show a plus 20% increase. You'll feel fantastic. Go online to Chalk.com. Use my name, Buck, to get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you do. That's Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, Chalk.com. Now, Josh, anti-Semitism, we all know, uh, is all too real and has existed not just doesn't just exist today has existed, you know, for, for thousands of years of, of history going back to the Pharaohs. Right. Um, but some of the response of the organizations and the institutional left, uh, I think has been a little bit of a shock to people. What do you make of that? Is this just, it was always there and people didn't want to believe it. Or have we entered a new era, um, of, almost the mainstreaming of anti-Semitism as part of the hard left? Like, how did we get to this place? You know, I'm not sure that it was kind of like a singular kind of on-off flipping of the light switch. It's really just been a a gradual, gradual descent. And, you know, the left, from my perspective, started to to turn on Israel as far back as the the 1967 war, which was the the Six-Day War. It was Israel's first war victory after their independence war, which, by the way, all these wars were defensive. Israel has never started a war in its entire history. But after the 67 war, when Israel miraculously defeated the Egyptians, the Syrians, all the invading armies, I think that was when this image of Israel as kind of Goliath versus the Arabs who were David started to kind of sink into the leftist mentality. And then you have kind of the decades-long rise, which folks like Chris Rufo have been working on, of kind of critical theory in the academy and this intersectional identity politics mentality. And this this narrative has taken place where Israel is kind of the white European colonizer and the Arabs are kind of the colored people. And in today's kind of intersectional Olympics, we all know that anyone who is white is is automatically on the bottom. By the way, taken even on its own terms, that narrative is complete and utter BS. First of all, Israel is actually not majority white. Most Jews living in Israel actually are not of European descent. They're actually from the Arab countries, countries like Yemen, Iraq, Morocco, Egypt, you name it. Second of all, the notion that Israel is a colonizer is, is, is laughable on its face. I mean, if you really want to play that game, obviously the Jews by definition are the indigenous people of Judea. I mean, that's literally where the word Jew comes from. But that's really where it started. This got a lot worse, a lot worse during the Barack Obama presidency, the Biden presidency, which is essentially just the third term of the Barack Obama presidency. A lot of the same idiots who were in charge then are in charge once again there. It's just gotten worse and worse. I, I remember the 2014 Israel-Hamas conflict. It was already pretty bad. This is clearly the worst it has ever been there. Anti-Semitism at this point has spread like wildfire to the point of ubiquity throughout the American Academy. Finally, you, you see some people who are not even naturally on the right starting to speak up. I mean, folks like like Bill Ackman, the hedge funder, um, yeah, Ken Griffin, I mean, any number of others who are basically saying, I will not hire these idiots who are signing on to these statements. Hopefully more is done at this point, because from my perspective, the only possible way to get back from this is to apply market pressure is to basically say, I will not donate to these schools. I will not send my kids to these schools. I will not hire students from these schools. The Wall Street Journal had a very interesting op-ed maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago by a law professor at Cal Berkeley, where the title of his op-ed was don't hire my anti-Semitic law students. Like literally don't that. hire yeah. my own students. Like That's the right mentality, right? That's kind of what we have to do from here, I think. Josh, um, I want to come back and, and ask you uh, just what you think needs to happen here going forward in just one second. But a uh, word from our sponsor. Um, you ever gone to Belize? Look, 
Belize is an incredible country, and it's one that more and more people are talking about these days. Imagine visiting a country just a couple of hours from Miami, Atlanta, Dallas, and Houston, where you can enjoy a rainforest and white sand beaches in the same day. Belize is beautiful. It's fun because you can float through caves down a jungle river. You can climb an ancient Mayan ruin, swim with nurse sharks and rays, and simply just enjoy yourself and relax. Bars play live music. You can dance under the stars barefoot every night. You're going to love Belize. Go check it out for yourself. Belize is fun for so many reasons. Download your free Belize handbook and guide. Go to BelizeIsFun.com. That's BelizeIsFun, B-E-L-I-Z-E, BelizeIsFun.com. Josh, uh, sorry, it's it's such, um, you know, it's such, such heavy stuff, and it has been for weeks here, but... um. I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic that Israel will accomplish its mission w- with regard to Hamas in Gaza. I, I also think it's unlikely the war will get much broader. I mean, what what gives you um, what what optimism do you find yourself searching for these days? So the Western powers, more broadly, have thus far, officially speaking, been pretty good on this. I mean, not if we're including Canada and Justin Trudeau as a power because he's a total commie and has put out some garbage on this. But, you know, holding Canada aside, the United States, the, you know, the great European powers, you know, the UK, France, Germany, Italy, they've all been pretty good so far. Um, And that seems to be fairly steady for now. Again, the question when it comes to Israel is always for now, because Hamas is the most cynical terrorist organization of all time. They literally use their own people as human shields to try to gin up PR favor. You have all the useful idiots like the New York Times we saw last week with this disgusting blood libel at the hospital in Gaza. So they have this PR strategy orchestrated. But for now, for now, the Western power sentiment is is holding steady-ish. And I think it's holding steady-ish for a very simple reason, Buck, which is this was the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. I, I mean, this was a day that will forever live in infamy, really not just for the state of Israel, but in the, in the mentality and the broader mindset of the Jewish people. I mean, there really aren't that many Jews in the world. Most of us know someone or, or people who were directly impacted by this tragedy. And, you know, each day that we go without a land invasion, I do worry that the IDF, you know, is risking kind of public favor turning against them because the memory is a little less fresh. But this was so bad. This was so bad what happened. And I think the, I think Israelis across the entire spectrum from left to right are so unified in what has to be done here that it's going to get done no matter what the short term cost may be. And then here's the kind of the optimistic kicker at the end for anyone who hopes for any kind of long term reconciliation or at least any kind of long term agreement between Israelis and the Palestinian Arabs getting rid of Hamas has to be a part of it. There is no future. There is no long term settlement there, period with Hamas a part of it. So getting rid of Hamas, I think, ultimately does lead to peace. Josh Hammer, always insightful, my friend. Appreciate you being with us. Guys, check out the Josh Hammer podcast and look for his pieces in Newsweek. Josh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Buck. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes. 
the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.